My name is Julie Turney, and this is HR Sound Off, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent HR topics. But ultimately, we will be settling some of the many misconceptions that people have about the human resources profession. Some weeks you will hear from my guests, and other times it will be just you and me in the sound booth. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's sound off. Good afternoon, everyone. I hope you're having an amazing day wherever you are in the world. So today we're going to touch a topic which I figure is very pertinent to our current situation, and that's the subject of remote work. So to have that conversation with me today, I have Deslin Wood, who is joining me from Canada. And Deslin is the Chief People Officer at Thought Exchange. We're going to talk a little bit about Thought Exchange and what that is as we talk about remote work and working from home. But Dustin is definitely no stranger to remote work. So there are a lot of things that I'm sure you as the audience may have questions and I'll be able to guide you as to how to find some of the webinars that Dustin has done as it relates to remote work in the future. And we'll probably tag those links in the episode. So welcome to the sound booth, Deslin. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure to have you today. I really wanted to, to talk to you, especially now considering what, what the rest of the world and what we're all going through. This is really a pertinent topic for us to cover today. And I really do thank you for taking the time to agree to have this conversation with me. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Who is Deslin Wood and how did you get into HR? That's such a, it's such an interesting question because, you know, HR is one of those fields that if you think, you know, into kindergarten when kids are asked what they want to be when they grow up, they wouldn't even know what HR is. It's not it's like <laughs> on the list of things that you plan yeah. to be. Uh, so I, I often joke that it's like an accidental career. It's something that happens when you're on your way towards something and you sort of go off the path and go, I didn't even know this was a job. <laughs> and so, you know, that's that's how I describe HR for me. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I grew up in Montreal for, for my whole life and uh, I, I have a psychology degree. And I was doing that in university at like the Gen X time where everybody was saying, you're going to have a PhD and then work at McDonald's. You know, there were no jobs. And uh, it was a time where, people were really cynical about what you're going to get to do. And I actually ended up working in a clothing store after I graduated. Right. And uh, I was a salesperson and I really thought of sales training as a job. Okay. And I didn't actually necessarily think it linked to my education. Mm -hmm. But when I did get my job in training and then in recruitment, it's sort of a, a cousin to HR. It's like one of the, the one of the branches. <laughs> so working, you know, amongst the HR people and the HR manager in this retail company while I was doing sales training, Mm -hmm. And then recruitment, then I started to do management training and then leadership training. And then I sort of started to get closer and closer to what HR is right. until um, it, it, at one point I felt like I could make that leap to an HR generalist type of role via mm -hmm. the training and recruitment side that I came in. And many people okay. come in either through payroll or recruitment right. or something, and mm -hmm. then they either specialize or they yeah. become a generalist. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then in subsequent roles that I had, I had the the fortune to be given some junior generalist roles, right. uh, eventually working for a U.S. company where Canada was just a region for them. So, uh -huh. you know, Canada seemed like a small area. So I was covering 10 provinces 
with all different legislation and rules mm -hmm. uh, for a U.S. company. And that sort of, I would say, you know, sprinted me into an HR career um, to head up HR for a Canadian company, which is what I eventually did. Wow. So that, that's how I, I started. How you started. Wow. So you've had an interesting career. How many years, how much years is your career span? Yeah, it's a funny <laughs> thing when you when you look at your age. Um, I started in that. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's okay. The training, the training and recruitment role, which I guess would say was my first HR related role, was in 1995. Okay. So that's 20, 25 years ago, which is, mm -hmm. is a long time ago. So this is my starting my 25th year um, in an HR related function. Um, that doesn't mean I didn't have little pauses where I went and did other things. I was in operations for a little bit. Okay. I was, uh, you know, in, in leadership roles. Uh, but eventually coming back to training development and uh, employee relations, really my three favorite areas. Ah, so that really tells us that HR is where you belong. You've yes. found, stepped out, but you found your way back. So HR, exactly. HR, is, HR is your forte. That's where you belong. <laughs> yes, yes. Cool. So tell us a little bit about remote work. Now, I know for a lot of us, especially in the Caribbean, this is something that is very new to us. Um, not so much new to me uh, because there are times when I would have, especially in my current role where I have had the opportunity to work from home from time to time and in previous roles that I've had, maybe just a couple days where I've worked from home from time to time. But can you give the audience who especially may not be aware of what it is or didn't know what it is until COVID-19 hit us, what does that look like prior to um, prior to COVID nineteen? I think it's a really great question because if you think of remote work, it really became something possible when technology allowed for it. And I think the technology was there long before it began. So when I think talking technology, I'm talking about laptops mm -hmm. and cell phones. Right. So you know, when I started in my career, you you had to if you wanted to be at work, you had to do that at work. You had a telephone there. If you had a computer that you shared with a number of people, the technology wasn't such. You weren't going to pick up your desktop and take it home. Mm -hmm. And your phone itself was really just for calls. Right. And so, and you still received mail. I mean, these are funny yeah. things where you had to open your mail, answer yes. your mail, go to a mail room and put it in a cubby, uh, <laughs> you know. And so that was really when I started. So the idea of working from home was really not possible. Uh, a hard worker stayed past six o'clock at night, came in right. on weekends. Mm -hmm. You know, you really measured people's work through, you know, whose car was there in at night and right. or who was last to leave the office. Mm -hmm. And if you scurried out at 445, you were like hiding, hoping nobody would see you, you know, yeah. running down oh. the back stairwell, you know, because that was the sign that you weren't working hard. Mm -hmm. And so I think those paradigms are still really apparent in the world. So even though all the things that made that the way, the no computers, the mail, all of that is gone. Yeah. People still have the same feeling that working hard is showing up first and leaving last. Yeah. And so it's an interesting thing when you think that everything around that has changed, but that one belief system mm -hmm. still is there for many, many people. Mm -hmm. And the idea, if you're not at work, is that you're not working. And so what I would say is remote work to me really took off when laptops started to outnumber desktops. So people, not just people who traveled or executives, but right. most people could opt for a laptop and many people had either a personal phone they used for work or a work phone. Mm -hmm. And it started out where instead of it just being because the plumber's coming or my kids can't, or school's canceled, you know, those sort of like, I can work from home because something yes. big has happened. 
mm-hmm. it started to, I think people to start thinking, what would it look like if I could just work from home? Right. And then the other piece is when companies started to look for um, talent outside of their one area, mm-hmm. uh, the idea used to be to relocate people, which is really expensive. Right. So that's you know, packing them up, sending them across the world. Yes. You know, the relocation packages could be $30,000. They were, you know, yes. end up. Yeah. And this was very, so it was a big risk for both parties. Absolutely. So again, this idea of, well, what if you could just work from where you are? Mm-hmm. So I think that there's been a, a few things that have shifted it, but the shift was not full. It was mostly companies that had either were tech related or that had maybe a sales team that was on the road mostly. So there was no point in having an office. Right. And there was really mostly office still existed for many roles and perhaps mm-hmm. a certain group of roles would be allowed to work from home. Right. And I think that's where most of us were when before COVID came, which is that it was still, you know, occasional. Maybe you negotiated two days a week because you had a very forward thinking leader or maybe mm-hmm. you had a role uh, in sales or something that really just didn't require a base. But we still had the main roles right. in the office and mm-hmm. the role, people who wanted to um, move forward in a company would never opt to ask to work from home because that right. was like putting yourself in the no pile for the rest right. of your career. Out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. So it was like, well, so someone said to me a couple, I won't lie, but four or five years ago, one of my people asked about moving to a remote area and I said, I can support it, but it's not going to help your career. So that was, you know, the prevailing feeling was, you know, yeah. we can accommodate it, but we're going to, it's going to, we're not going to make the expense of bringing you in and then no right. one's going to see you. Right. And so it was like a, a quality of life decision. So it's mm-hmm. like, if you think about mm-hmm. it, it came from one or two days a week because uh, of some sort of personal situation. Then it was mm-hmm. like a quality of life or people yeah. who said, you know what, I don't care if I'm never going to move up. And really, it just started to feel the pressure in the last couple of years outside the tech industry, I'd say, where mm-hmm. people were starting to say, it doesn't make sense to be in traffic. It right. doesn't make sense that if I want to have a decent home, I have to buy one out of the city. Mm-hmm. But now I have to spend two hours to three hours a day commuting. And hundreds um, of dollars to do dollars. it. Yeah, and, and the frustration. And mm-hmm. I think that while people knew that was true, they were still pushback. And, you know, you're talking about in the Caribbean, maybe it was a little bit more behind, but it, I've been in the retail industry most of my career. Right. They're always a solid 10 years behind everybody else also. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think the idea is if the people in the stores have to go to stores, then we should be out of solidarity at the office. Uh-huh. As if Got somehow it. our being at the office makes it more fair and mm-hmm. our working from home makes the situation less fair, less fair. as opposed to certain roles uh-huh. have the opportunity to be remote and other and roles don't. don't. Yes. So, and I think that we had, we were just, just getting a little close and then this accelerant happened, which I really yeah. think is almost slingshotted us 10 or 15 years ahead. Yes. The, yes. Where everybody's starting to say, well, we're all still here. We're all still working, mm-hmm. you know, what does what does this mean? What does this mean now that we've made it possible uh, with technology and with belief systems yeah. both together mm-hmm. that it can be done? Do we just go back to the way it was or do mm-hmm. we take this opportunity to perhaps help save people time, money and anxiety, save the environment, reduce yeah. office space? Mm-hmm. You know, is this, so I think the big question for most of us now is, is this big shift going to carry over yeah. or are 75 percent of companies just going to return to what they did? That's the big question. I recently read in the Gallup survey where they were talking about remote work and, and what the preferences are. And I think they use a, they have an HR roundtable that they're using to, to kind of pick up this data. 
and they're saying that a lot of people are saying it, it's saving me all of this money in terms of I don't have to be commuting back and forth, which can be very costly. Like I know for us in Barbados, it might be a little bit different in the Caribbean, but I know like in the UK, where a lot of my family is from, they are happy for this because it costs them hundreds of pounds every month to mm-hmm. either go to or from work if they are living outside of, just a little outside of London. Mm-hmm. It's hundreds of pounds, there's toll fees, gas, then you still have to catch a train, then you have to catch a tube. So all that commuting is just like way too much. And people have realized how much money they've been able to save by just being able to work from home. So I think a lot of people are going to try to um, incorporate that going forward. I would hope that forward thinking people will try to incorporate that going forward. I think you're right. I think the cost is a big part and time is also money. Yeah. And and then there's the, you know, the fact that you get to work already a certain amount of stress. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a productivity play by being at home and that people will be more productive. And so I often hear, well, what if someone mows the lawn in the middle of the day? And I'll be saying, well, think of all the wasted time commuting, going for coffees, going for lunches. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody were to spend 30 or 45 minutes doing a chore at home, it's still far more productive because they don't have all those, you know, distractions that come with work. Exactly. I think, again, our belief is that when you're at work, you're productive. And when you're at home, there's this possibility that you're mm-hmm. going to take some kind of advantage. Um, you know, and there's your point, I think, is great about the, the cost and the time. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps people now will feel a little bit more confident to challenge their situation as a five-day-a-week work week. Yeah. Uh, and at the same time, there's been a lot of discussion about real estate and commercial real estate and the mm-hmm. price of these rents. And is it really necessary to keep mm-hmm. if your company grows to continuously, you know, rent more space and more floors? Yeah. If your workers don't require that. Mm-hmm. That's going to cause for, I think a lot of discussion now um, around all of these things is going to really change the way that we work for the future. And I just, I personally hope that I can see that it's going to be for the better, but I hope it'll be for the better for everyone. Yes. To yes. some extent, because then there are some people who actually don't mind getting away. So, <laughs> and you know, it's true. Work. Yeah. It's funny. I, that what I was hearing, I don't know if this is true. I was hearing from some a report I was listening to on a, on a podcast that, you know, millennials or younger people who are, who are, love the social aspect of going to an office and going for drinks after work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, find it harder to be at home. And right. it might be, it might be mm-hmm. a, a piece of just where you are in your life and mm-hmm. what you, you know, what responsibilities you already have. Mm-hmm. And in many large cities, if you don't have a family, you can live in a condo or a rental property downtown. It just doesn't make sense as you move to different stages of life. And that's when I think maybe you get to the work from home. So I think there's yeah. a mix. Yeah. Uh, for Thought Exchange, we were using places like WeWork. Um, not for everybody, but there was a group of people who were more devoted to that. And I think largely because of either not having the space in a downtown apartment right. or enjoying the socializing part. Whereas mm-hmm. if you ask me, there was a WeWork office in my city, I wouldn't have any interest. In right. So let's talk a little bit about that in terms of thought exchange and, and what you guys have incorporated as chief people officer there. How do your employees work currently? Mm. Or how good old point, yeah, it's always 
So Thought Exchange was, I would say, 75% um, remote already uh, due to the fact that our corporate office is headquartered in a very small town in Canada that's uh, difficult to get to. So while the founders live there and a lot of the original people who started with the organization, so, you know, 30 or 40 people do, we have about 150 people uh, that, you know, the idea of moving and relocating there is beautiful for certain periods of your life, but not possible mm -hmm. for others. Right. Incredibly. It's very remote. So they, I think by that nature, they probably were early in hiring people and having them telework either out of Vancouver or out of all the surrounding towns. Okay. And it became, I think, an attractive uh, recruitment play is that it didn't matter where you lived. Ah. So, you know, saying that truly was early. They were early for that. Early, and, yes. and, and, but I think even I tested the, the boundaries because I live in Montreal, which okay. is, you know, a four to five hour flight from Vancouver. Really? And four, three time zones away. So I'm very wow. far away. Okay. And I'm the head of people. So it was really a true test of a remote culture is to get yeah. the head of people, mm -hmm. not even be anywhere near where any physical people are. Mm -hmm. And uh, even for me, it was, you know, how does that work? So it's it sort of like an elastic. It stretched it right to the, the, the widest Limit, point. Yeah. Yeah. Can I, can I be a credible head of people mm -hmm. and not be near anybody physically? And, uh, you know, it's an interesting thing is I think remote work is a great equalizer because through Zoom and all these technologies, mm -hmm. you can talk and see anybody anytime. Right. Really don't feel at a disadvantage from the people who live mm -hmm. um, in Rosslyn, which is our, our base. And there mm -hmm. we do have to, two, we have three small offices in the town where people do come to work. Okay. And it's really as they feel like it. Mm -hmm. So they have, they can work there or they can work from home. So they're really mm -hmm. more like shared workspaces. Right. Than they are. And, um, there has been some, I think, questions initially when people are hired, you know, is it a disadvantage to not be there? And while right. I think it's amazing to visit, you know, I love visiting and seeing everybody in person, mm -hmm. uh, I don't feel it's necessary. So I, I feel like this has been a really wonderful transition for me to mm -hmm. be able to be a proponent for remote work because mm -hmm. I am incredibly remote from my own yes. organization and I, yes. and I don't feel at a disadvantage. So when I hear people challenge all the issues around remote work, I feel right. like I, I've lived this mm -hmm. and it's been successful. So mm -hmm. I really think that with the right use of technology and people um, keeping their cameras on, sounds silly, mm -hmm. but cameras on and keeping a regular cadence of check-ins and meetings and one-on-ones, mm -hmm. it, it works. Okay. So I have to ask, <laughs> since as um, chief people officer and you're not physically seeing your people, like, what do you do to keep your everyone engaged? What do you do to foster the culture that you guys have? It's a, it's a, so I think the, that's an interesting point too. So cultures really live by everybody and it right. really is modeled by the leaders. And Thought Exchange had a very strong culture before I got there in terms of um, having, you know, a shared set of values and principles that people really, you know, spoke to and lived by. Plus, they had a really great tradition of every two weeks having some kind of all-company meeting on Zoom. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, most companies do it once a quarter. Sometimes it's twice a year. Right. And so the idea that it was every two weeks was surprising to me. If mm -hmm. one, one of them is um, not mandatory. You can come if you want. The other one is. Right. But most people come. I'd say 75 or 80% come to, to both. Okay. And uh, because of that, you have frequent ability to update and connect with people. Mm -hmm. And so everybody there feels very much like they have. So besides their team meetings and maybe collaborative sessions, they also have this company meeting. You might think it's a lot of meetings, right. but I think you, ha you have to almost 
it's kind of like if you're in theater versus the movies in theater people sing that speak louder and they make right. you know, bigger faces just so that it's easier to see when mm -hmm. you're remote you have to be bigger and louder and right. uh, and you have to, you have to connect even more than so I think people starve for communication in every organization. Mm -hmm. Well, when you're remote, you don't have the luxury to not communicate a lot. Right. So because I have these, these opportunities that are set up, you know, if I have something to say or if I have something to share, I don't have to call a big meeting and hope people will come. Right. We have this wonderful vehicle. And then the other thing is that remote learning, whether it's leadership development or onboarding or interviewing, is all easily done remotely. So right. again, it's... Uh, reaching out to people and making those connections and getting to know them. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things that I was doing when I started is going to different team meetings, you know, right. just popping in, you know, so you pop in on the screen and you just uh -huh. chat and you just live amongst people. Right. And I found that if I was in a company in an office, it would be very awkward to open a door to a meeting and go yes. in and sit down. Right. But when you have Sorry. our calendar, yeah, but our, but our calendars are open. So everybody mm -hmm. can see everybody's calendar. Nothing is blocked. Right. So I could literally go in and say, oh, I haven't been to that team meeting and just pop in and say hello. Right. And so, uh, again, like I said, you have to do more than you would do and you have mm -hmm. to be intentional about it. Mm -hmm. um, but I really felt that that was important to okay. be seen. You know, yeah. it, just looks it just looks different. Uh, that sounds really cool, though. And especially making sure that you are still visible, because I, I know that that's pretty much very key if you're going to be working remotely. So... Best top tips for all those HR professionals who are out there right now, not quite sure how to engage their workforce while we are experiencing this pandemic worldwide. What tips would you give to them in terms of how do I stay at the forefront of the mind of my people and be intentional about it, as you said? Yeah. What do I do if I don't have the luxury of being able to drop in meetings and have an open calendar and those kind of things? What do I do? Yeah. Well, if, you know, so this might sound like a product pitch, but it actually is whether you use Thought Exchange or any other tool. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think I just encourage is that it's hard to do one to many. Well, you end up seeing the same people over and over and connecting. And so you, to, to really be inclusive, which is like a very, you know, current word, what does inclusion look like? It really mm -hmm. looks like everybody is at the parties getting asked to dance. So how do you do that? Is that you have to have sometimes some tools to help you to do it. Right. And those are important. And so what Thought Exchange is, which is when I was a new leader, this was really important, is it's a, an app where you can ask a question. So everybody just gets a link. Um, everybody gets to put input in. So the question I asked when I first got there is as the head of people, you know, what are some things I should know about the company or our objectives to help me, you know, be a better chief people officer. Mm -hmm. And that question went to everybody, not just to my team, not just to executives, but to everyone. So I think right. in HR, we have to do is find ways to get to the outer edges of your company. If you don't want the whole culture to deteriorate or people to feel isolated, you've just got to find a way to have a, a method to get to everyone mm -hmm. be because it's easy when you don't see people to forget about them. Yeah. So, so these, this question went to everyone and everybody puts in their answers. This is what I think you should be doing or here are the issues of the company. And then what mm -hmm. thought exchanges are is after you put your answer and you actually see the next person's answer and it's anonymous and you rate out of five stars how much you agree with it. Okay. So by the end of my first few days, I had this prioritized list of everything that people felt I should be thinking or doing or that mm -hmm. I should know advice right. for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then I did a town hall kind of call, like I'm mentioning, where I just talked about the advice that I had been given and what I was going to do with it. 
And I think like that's a really good way to really stay connected. So if you can use technology to mm -hmm. allow everybody to engage and make it safe. So, you know, the, you know, what I say is the longer you're left in it with no communication, the more your crazy thoughts grow. Right. So as people are left by themselves, they don't think I'm sure everything's great. And I'm sure I'm fine. They start to wonder what's happening. Yeah. So if you can find ways, whether it's these town halls, things like thought exchanges, things like mm -hmm. polls, where people are always being asked questions and then you're mm -hmm. responding to what's in there. There's a feeling like we are still one team, even right. if none of us are in the same place. Mm -hmm. And you have to have a, a, a communication plan that's set up, like how often are we going to do these things? Right. And traditional HR was maybe an employee survey once a year, mm -hmm. maybe a, a, an exit interview if you quit, maybe yeah. one performance review. But mm -hmm. you, you basically believe that because you could see people in the hall and say hello to them, that was enough. Mm -hmm. But when you take away the day-to-day -day hellos in the office yeah. and you just look at those few things, one survey, one, you know, uh, maybe, uh, you know, performance review, mm -hmm. uh, one meeting with your boss once removed. Do you realize right. that's like out of a 365 days, that's maybe five things, maybe yeah. four. Mm -hmm. That's not enough. That's yeah. not enough. So mm -hmm. if you're going to be remote, think within HR, it's really what's our plan to ensure that we have a very regular cadence of inclusive conversation where we're not just telling you what's going on, right. but you're feeding us information and we're solving mm -hmm. problems together. Mm -hmm. And you have to do that in a way that's safe because when people haven't seen you a day to day, they're not going to raise their hand. They're not going to write in the chat. Yeah. You know, the, the desire to protect yourself or to lie low is big. You're going to turn off your camera. You're going to put yourself on mute and mm -hmm. you might hide. Yeah. And in there, it, it really is not a great culture. So you're mm -hmm. the, the more opportunities you have for extroverts to do it anyway, yeah. for everybody, yeah. uh, I think that has to be part of your HR strategy if you're going to be going remote. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for sharing those tips. I actually am making copious notes in my mind, uh, which I'm going to transfer <laughs> very soon. So you made, you made a comment about thought exchange and your organization and what you do. And you told us a little bit about what thought exchange does. Now, for any person who doesn't know what a thought exchange is, mm -hmm. tell us a little bit more about how especially HR professionals can benefit from using thought exchange? Well, I initially met them at a conference, at an HR conference, and I was thinking of using it because I was doing offsites. You know, you take your leadership team, you know, to some sort of hotel for the afternoon. And I used to do flip charts and round tables or post notes, and everybody's been to these before. And it's hard to get people to be honest. Often we'd have a cocktail after and people would roll their eyes of like, yeah, that was a waste of time. Mm -hmm. And I felt really personal. Like I put so much effort into it. And then you're supposed to transcribe all these notes. And somehow I realized that even though I'd done this for years, nothing really ever came of these sessions. Right. And so when I was at this conference and I saw Thought Exchange, and I thought, what if I just did it in the meeting? And so I asked the question about decision making. How could we delegate more? decision-making in the company, which is a big thing as companies grow. How do we give more power to our middle managers? Right. And instead of doing a round table, I just put the code up. So basically you put up like a QR code or a web right. link and mm -hmm. people on their phones just clicked on it. And it mm -hmm. was silent for about seven minutes. And I was really uncomfortable because you're not used to silence. Right. What was happening is there was a conversation going with everyone in the room as they wrote what they thought, and then they mm -hmm. start other people's thoughts. Mm -hmm. And then when you finish, you go and you scroll through and you see how your thought did. Are you number one or are you number 48? Mm -hmm. Now, if you're number one, you feel like you won the exchange and you're really excited. Um, and if you're number 48, 
you're like, I guess my thought doesn't resonate. So you're not going to go fight and argue about it. And this is really important because often a certain group of people will be very vocal. And the assumption was everybody agreed with them. Right. When you put your thought in the exchange and you're not agreed with, then there's no reason to hijack the meeting. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, you, you already, you were voted off the island. You know, yeah. you're, you're not there anymore. Mm-hmm. And so it, a very different set of information popped up on the screen than what I was used to seeing or right. anybody was used to seeing because mm-hmm. it had no bias of title or, or, um, or, or confidence in yourself. It was right. really the best ideas were at the top raw. Right. And then the discussion erupted around those ideas, mm-hmm. which was exactly what we needed to change mm-hmm. our mentality was to really talk about what I call the great unsaid or the elephants in the room, yes. all the things in companies that keep us from changing. Mm-hmm. So thought exchange for me was really powerful in that in a matter of a few minutes, it really undid a lot of the dysfunction that happens in these kind of settings. Right. I started to think, what if we used it in all sorts of areas, if there's a lot of uh, turnover in a department? Instead of doing a focus group or a pulse check-in, which are very mm-hmm. labor-intensive for HR, right. if you run a thought exchange and say, what's happening? Why are we having so much turnover in this team? People will actually tell you. And then they'll actually, and then by the voting, you actually see the top reason yeah. right away. So mm-hmm. you might not be able to act on it, but knowing what it is means that whatever action you do, you're aware of it. Whereas I think a lot of our actions in HR are based on us sensing there's an issue, but not understanding what the root cause is yeah. or what the best solution you is. Don't know the why. Of, yeah, so you get an employee survey back, you see trust is low, communication is bad, and then everybody gets into a meeting and starts guessing what to do to fix it. Yeah. So with a thought exchange, you get back trust is low, you throw out an exchange saying, what could we do to increase trust levels? Mm-hmm. And people say, I'd like to have more communication. When someone's fired, I'd like to find out instead of having their email bounce back. Yeah. And you know what? It might not be what you want to hear, but it's often but it's- not what you... It's often not what you would have done had you not asked. Yes. So it becomes this sort of collaborative, really open organization. And if you're mm-hmm. remote, this kind of back and forth is crucial to, for people mm-hmm. to feel like they matter. Yeah. And so for me, for HR, it's great because you can use it to decide a meeting agenda for the week, which is right. very you know, not that exciting. But you also yeah. could use it to address a huge problem in a department mm-hmm. without having the discomfort of these meetings and then these notes that you write up and then the person saying, well, who said that? Yeah. I know who said that. This way, people be like, I know who said that. I'd be like, I don't. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I was like, let's just look at it. And I yeah. had to do work with leaders to get them to be excited about the information they got and not so concerned about how they got it. Right. Because there's people who are like, well, if it's anonymous, then I don't trust it. Or if somebody mm-hmm. will put their name next to it, then I don't want to hear about it. Yeah. And I would say, you know what? That's part of positional privilege. The only people who say that have their name outside their office. Mm-hmm. Those are the people. You go down a couple levels, nobody thinks that anonymity is a problem. Yeah. And so getting people to get really interested in the outcome of the exchange versus you know, getting really upset that nobody told mm-hmm. them this to their face. Mm-hmm. As you get more and more senior in your company, people stop being honest with you and you don't yeah. realize it's happened mm-hmm. until you run your first thought exchange and you're like, oh, so this is what people really think. And I'm like, but what a great opportunity. You now know. Now show, you know. Them you, show them what you got. Yeah. You know, so, you know, you can get people who are excited by it and other people less so. But over time, um, people surprise me how much they're able to get past their initial grief over what they see and mm-hmm. realize that there's an opportunity to really become an inclusive organization that collaborates. But they have to get past that first pump. Yeah, the barrier, yeah. Oh, yes. That's super powerful. Like, yeah. I really 
appreciate you sharing that information because I think for a lot of us, especially again, as I said, like in the Caribbean, I, I don't, and as you said, basically as HR professionals, you know, we do have very labor intensive processes in order for us to understand a why and then for us to be able to work on getting an answer or mm -hmm. to work on a solution and to put yeah. a strategy together. And sometimes it can take us a while to get that done. This is why I thank God every day that I discovered Agile HR, <laughs> because yeah. that that just um, has saved me tremendously. But I'm also now grateful that I have um, found you and I found Thought Exchange yeah. because I feel like this is going to be a, a wonderful marriage for my organization as well to get um, to understand a lot of our way and just mm -hmm. you know fix the things in in any culture. Every nobody has a perfect company culture, nobody, no. and that's no. the first fundamental thing that we all have to accept some people have cultures that are better than ours some people have cultures that are way worse than ours but from the outside it may look like everything is a bunch of roses and it really isn't so when you have things like thought exchange when you have that software that gives people the psychological psychological safety to say if you put your information here i'm not so much concerned with who you are but i'm concerned with how you're feeling and that's what i want to fix Yes. That's what that sounds like. That's exactly what it is. That's powerful. Mm -hmm. That is super powerful. Thank you for sharing that. You're so, very welcome. <laughs> so my next question to you, what is the one misconception about HR that really bothers you? You want to clear up right here, right now, today. I think it's the one where when people are saying or making a joke or talking about anything and you come in and they say, ooh, HR is in the room. Like you're somehow the, the behavior police, the fun police, mm -hmm. the person who's unable to, you know, take a joke or understand context uh, that I find that that's really upsetting because I think really what HR is, is a partner to help you achieve your goals through people. Mm -hmm. And we're not the police of processes and systems and mm -hmm. behavior. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing that I find um, the most frustrating mm -hmm. is this concept that we're policing the code of conduct, we're policing all this stuff, mm -hmm. and that we're we're there to sort of you know, you know, somehow ruin everything or not you know not really be aware of it. And this belief that we're an obstacle to things happening because mm -hmm. we're so worried about our processes and our paperwork and our signatures. And so I think that that's the kind of thing that yeah. I really struggle, troubles me. Like when somebody says, you know, that they didn't uh, do all three reference checks, ooh, don't tell HR, as if my all day I think about whether you did a third reference check. Like I honestly don't care. If you don't mm -hmm. want to check references and you hire the wrong person, that's your problem. But the I whole do. thing I is that, yeah, that... You. Yeah, but the idea that I'm thinking about whether you yeah. got form signed mm -hmm. really bothers me because mm -hmm. that's really not what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about the things that we're talking about today. I'm not yeah. thinking about, you know, what percent of people signed what piece of paper. Mm -hmm. that's what, what, what keeps you up at night, there? <laughs> keeps me up at night. Well, right now, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's changed. If you asked me this six weeks ago, it probably wouldn't have been this. Mm -hmm. You know, what keeps me up at night now is, you know, we have no roadmap for what happens now. And a lot of knowledge is the idea that you've had a certain experience. That's what wisdom is. You've lived it and history just repeats itself. And every so often I'm in a situation and somebody says, I can't believe we're in this situation. And I'm like, well, I've been here before. It's like, you know, over after 25 years, you've pretty mm -hmm. much seen everything over and over again. Mm -hmm. What keeps me up at night now 
is that I haven't been here before. Yeah. And, and neither have my peers and neither has anybody. Mm-hmm. And we really don't know what's coming in the next six, 12 months, but we really love to act like we can control everything, knowing that we can't, that that's, what's keeping me up at night is what yeah. kind of leadership and, and skills do we need for this world? Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't figured that out. You know, we can talk about resilience and adaptability and agility, but really only when this is done, will hindsight tell us what we should and could have done? Yeah. And that's interesting to be in the middle of a story, but yeah. not to have seen the end of it yet. That's the first mm-hmm. time in a long time for me. Mm-hmm. Ah, interesting. I just sent a shiver down my back. <laughs> <laughs> I feel <laughs> that air of uncertainty, I mean, is super, it's very true because I think as you rightly said, there was a time when you could look back at certain things to go, okay, well, this was the precedent then, but you really can't do that in this period of time at all. You really can't. So these are going to be very interesting times indeed. Wow. They are. They yep. Are. But they're wonderful because we found each yes. other. So it was worth it. There you go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> What are you reading right now or listening to that you think other HR professionals should be reading or listening to? It's interesting that you said that because I was thinking how um, I have read books. You know, I definitely have ones that I that I prefer, but I've really become somebody who listens to podcasts more mm-hmm. than books. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably because there are so many great pieces of information that are on these podcasts that we mm-hmm. typically um you know, it would take me a long time to read the book about it. Yeah. So I, I listened to um, the TED Radio Hour, which is like mm-hmm. TED Talks yeah. that are essentially only, they're like <laughs> one theme, like the theme mm-hmm. could be around resilience, the theme mm-hmm. could be around change. Mm-hmm. And then they have three different talks and they mm-hmm. interview the speaker and they just play a clip. Mm-hmm. And I find that they give me a lot of great um, insight. Yeah. And it goes back, you know, the, like over the last five, six years. So it's really just pulling together by theme. And I love themes. Mm-hmm. So I'm like the kind of person that has trouble reading um, one book for, you know, 400 pages, because mm-hmm. after the first hundred pages or so, you've kind of figured out what the story is. Yeah. I love how these podcasts bring, you know, light to it. But if mm-hmm. you ask me the, bo- the, the books that have most influenced me, one of them, I can't type the author. It's a very long name. It's called The Three Box Solution. Okay. And the three box solution really changed my, my perception of what innovation and change are. Mm -hmm. And the concept in the three box solution, which I'm sure you can Google and tag it in your thing is that there, there's three aspects to changing and that's understanding the present, the past and the future. And I love science fiction. So I love this idea that the present and the past and the future are all influencing your ability to change right now. And it's a beautiful book full of stories about how, organizations understand that part of innovation is letting go of the past and practicing uh, exercises as a company Mm -hmm. to name what is in their culture and then to actually say, we're going to not do that anymore. We're going to do this instead. So the idea is you can't pile it back on something new to something Mm -hmm. old. Mm -hmm. So you've got to let go of the old paradigm for the new one to come in. So if you think of remote work, you have to let go of the paradigm that people who want to work from home, it's yes. because of a quality of life issue. They're not mm-hmm. go-getters. 
So as long as you think that, you'll never embrace remote work. So the right. idea, if you follow this book, is that we name the fact that we have this belief yeah. and we decide together as a leadership team, we are not going to think this anymore. Mm -hmm. And then we can bring in this new strategy. But as long as you still believe only certain kinds of people want to work from home, then you can't mm -hmm. bring in remote work. So the three box solution really helped me work with leaders right. to, and I still use it. I still, whenever someone says, let's do an innovation meeting, uh -huh. I do a, what's an old practice we're going to let go first. Okay. So I'm like, I'm like clearing out the garbage before we talk about what's new. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really, so I love the three box solutions. I think yeah. I'll plug that one right now as a, as a, as a great book. Okay. Uh, if you're trying to drive change in yes. the practice of the organization, I would say, this really helps you address why we hold on to the past, even if it's no longer relevant. Right. So that's the three box solution, a strategy for leading innovation yes. by Vijay Govindarajan. Yeah. Vijay Govindarajan. Yes. Yes. There it, we go. Yes. There it. you go. So that's, that's it. It's not an HR related book, but I think no. it's a book that relates to us right now as we try yes. to bring in massive changes. Okay. That's great. All right. So what's next? for Desalyn Woods? Well, right now I'm pivoting from going to conferences live and talking about thought exchange and talking about different HR subjects and I'm doing a ton of virtual events. So if you're interested in seeing the kind of work I do, I do probably one every two weeks uh, on thought exchange platform. So if you go to thoughtexchange.com events, uh, you will find my, my different uh, virtual events and they're also recordings of the past, which a lot mm -hmm. have to do with leadership and working remotely. I've and been I'm, listening. <laughs> there you go. I have, I have another one next week. And so I do. So that's what I've been spending time with. And at the same time, I'm also working with the clients who decide to use Thought Exchange on how to implement it to bring up uh, that kind of thing that we're talking about, to bring about this really inclusive, collaborative, problem-solving uh, tool that's also really efficient for remote teams. So I work with HR leaders like yourself, and we work through what's going on in your company, and then where do we fit in? so that you're not by yourself trying to do this because it is new technology and it requires a peer, I think, to collaborate with you. So yeah. one of the joys I have now is I get to do HR in hundreds of organizations as opposed to just one. Yeah. Uh, but when I work with my peers, helping them, you know, get going with their uh, application. Wonderful. Sounds great. I'm looking forward to embarking on this journey with you as well. That sounds wonderful. I look forward to it too, Julie. Great. So can you tell our audience, where can they find you on social media? Uh, LinkedIn. I'm big on LinkedIn. I say I'm not a great on any other, uh, I'm not on any other thing. I think that's part of my age. Uh, but LinkedIn, <laughs> I post all my talks on LinkedIn and mm -hmm. any papers that are published or articles I post there. Okay. And uh, if you link in with me uh, or just email me at desk.wood at thoughtexchange.com, I'm totally happy to get an email as well directly, mm -hmm. but I will get back to you. It's how we found each other is LinkedIn. Yes. And uh, I'm always excited to uh, send links to the talks that I'm going to have or invite people to, uh, to look at the software as well. So either mm -hmm. way, if they're looking for my content or specifically for Thought Exchange, both uh, LinkedIn is the best way to find it. Okay. That sounds great. So thank you so much for sounding off with me today on this very pertinent topic. Thank you for your insights. And I am sure that our audience are really going to appreciate this episode in particular as we go through COVID-19 and, and come out on the other side. We're definitely going to strive to do our best to come out of this stronger, um, more agile, uh, but definitely 
understanding the needs of our, of our people and then trying to act accordingly. So thank you so much. You're very welcome. Have a great day. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for joining us in the sound booth today. I hope that you found this information from this episode useful. You can find me on all social media platforms at I am Julie Turney. That's I am Julie Turney. And you can find this episode or this show on most digital platforms, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, you name it, we're there. Thanks to Anchor FM and Rock Solid Entertainment for helping me to put this content together for you. And I will see you again when we next sound off.